With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two down. To right field, sending it deep, but not deep enough. Jose Barrios, razor sharp, as his second complete game. Are you here by circle? Jose Barreos, the ball was coming out of his hand, and he was throwing yes. the fire out of it today, baby. <laughs> Both of those things, it was uh, awfully good. And he had that, he started off fantastic this year. He had that little three-game blip, and the, the third of those games was really almost concerning because he looked completely rattled. He looked like he had no command. Uh, they, you know, they got him to... Uh, refigure everything and uh kind of reboot everything and boy he's been great uh lately and this kid is uh you know what you look around the the twins are under 500 they've had a lot of disappointments but you know what they have too many all-star candidates. Yeah. <laughs> Edward, Eduardo Escobar, you'd love to see him make it yeah, just for been, all he fantastic. represents. For and all he think, represents. You would think, Pat, with the with his ability to play in different yes. spots in the field that they would They want. like to have that one like utility one guy. guy you, yeah. And he's actually played the outfield some if, if, he, if you get into extra innings in the all-star game. But Rosario is probably going to deserve it. He could, uh, he could He'll be over... He'll be six fifty five RBIs when the All Star game comes. Yeah. If he keeps going uh, like he's going, he's got fourteen homers now, so he could be in the twenties by the All Star game comes. And starting pitcher, this kid, this kid could, uh, yeah. you know, those numbers when you get around to choosing the All Star game, this kid's numbers could look awful dang good. Now there's a lot of good pitching around, that's for sure. But he was uh, really good today. That. When that breaking ball is, you know, it's a cliche and it's a guardianism and it used to drive me crazy. But when he's throwing that breaking ball and it's like he's comfortable when he releases it. He's got a nice snap That to thing it. is uh, just yeah. uh, terrific. And uh, which game was it he pitched here that uh, Dozier said the, or maybe it was the first one he pitched against Baltimore when he pitched against Baltimore. Sure. And they they were he was getting to second base and some guy got second he says unhittable can't when he throws that breaking ball can't hit it we got yeah. we got no shot and uh, he was he was pretty much that day to day one little uh, shaky inning no hitter left in the fifth right uh, yes he, okay he, was in the fifth, he went yeah. through four but he was uh, just breezing and then went out and got him some runs and uh, I said today the one thing about 162 games. 
tomorrow, it doesn't take long to play the next one, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, there's no redemption. The the Las Vegas Knights, Golden Knights, have had to wait three days for redemption <laughs> in hockey, right? Right. Baseball, they were as rotten last night, the Twins, as you can get. They screwed up everything you could screw up. Uh, the well, first of all, those two losses. I said, I sent out a tweet. They've committed four baseball felonies in the last two days. Uh, starting Zach Littell, he oh had no gosh. chance. He had no chance. It, oh. It's not his fault. He had no chance. Yeah, he shouldn't have. That been was out there. that was that was a that was a life sentence right there. Basically, that was uh, that was a real crime. But last night, uh, the double play. There's a reason the cliche is the double, the cliche, the old bromide, the saying for a hundred years has been the double play is a pitcher's best friend. Mm -hmm. Because if you threw, throw two double plays in a game, you're going to win yeah. damn near all the time. So you can do all the shifting you want, but you have to, when there's a runner on first and no outs or one out, the middle of your infield has to be, in my opinion, in double play position. If you want to shift like crazy when there's no outs, I mean when there's two outs, or if you want to shift like crazy when there's nobody on first base, that's fine. Yeah. But you have to stay in position for the double play. So that ball gets hit off Oda Rizzi last night. He isn't real sharp, but he's he's going to get out of that inning with a 2-1 lead, except the shortstop's not there. And Adrianzi finally gets his glove on it and messes it up and gets no out. So instead of two on, nobody out, 2-1 uh, lead, it's first and second, nobody out. And it's first and second, nobody out, right? Yeah. And here, yeah, first and second, nobody out, and here comes Presley. And now here comes Presley. And I talked to him this spring, and I said, I thought your biggest problem last year in the first half of the year was pitch selection. Yeah. And I'm not blaming you. I'm not blaming a catcher. But you, that fastball was, you know, you, you were not throwing the fastball, and then you'd throw a bad curveball. And, and I just, so, so Tim Anderson comes up. And this guy, he, he throws two 97-miles-an-hour fastballs past him. Mm -hmm. Did you see this? I didn't see this. Two no. past him. He's late on both of them. Just blew it right He's late him. right here. Three straight hooks. One in the ground, one in the dirt, goes by the catcher, ties the game. Oh, no. So, it's, so it was uh, 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 ties the game. And then the next hook. Is uh, he then? Then he throws another one, and then he throws another one. He hangs it. Anderson hits it, and they win the game. Uh, basically, that whole inning, he just hung him. He just threw ninety-seven past him. Catcher Garver, he make him throw, a make yeah. him throw a fastball. And then, of course, uh, the the biggest screw up all is you get three doubles in an inning. And you score one run. See, that's what I was going to get to. Was you that know, was I, the worst. I didn't see the game at all yeah. last night because I was watching. I was watching the finals. But how did, Hector I, is ripe for the picking. Yes. Like, well, they had him. I yes. mean, I, I, how do you not? And the ball, how many pitches? The, he, threw, he went what five innings, and he threw like a hundred. The over 100 center pitches? fielder has his back turned. You're running to the wall, Garver, and Garver basically is standing next to second base, tagging up. 
Uh, and when the ball drops, he only gets the third base. They have to stop him. Oh, he doesn't. I mean, it's impossible not to score on that ball. Bobby yeah. Wilson would have scored on that ball. <laughs> the slow snow would have scored standing up on that ball. That was that was classic, incredibly rotten base running. So they lose those two games, and you think, ah, they stink. And then today they played great, and Barrios pitched great, and they hit the ball. And uh, the thing about baseball is, you finish at one night, you finish at eleven o'clock at night, and the manager's mad at everybody. And the next day, the game's over at two thirty, and you you won. Yeah, so yeah, and you can move on. Yeah, you, you can move on. But uh, anyway, we're going to talk to Red Bollinger, uh, MLB.com, when we get back about uh, the goings on today at the ballpark, which were pretty good after last night's pathetic effort. Brett Bollinger covers the Twins for MLB.com. Where's this game when you need it at night, man? Uh, the daytime, who needs uh, two hours and 14 minutes? Yeah, exactly. I couldn't believe how quick the game was today. It was pretty amazing. Uh, Rio's complete game, and got two hours and 14, quickest one of the year. And is that, is that the quickest in MLB? Has it been a faster one? It's got to be up there. I know it was one of the quickest ones at Target Field history. I guess there was one Cavano a couple of years ago that was a little bit quicker, but yeah, it's got to be up there. Nowadays, every game's three hours. If it's under three, it's a miracle. Well, when they had that one the other night, uh, they've had they had they've had three under two thirty now in about the last ten days, right? And that I think that yeah. I think that two twenty one or whatever it was was the was the fastest of the season. So this has got to be faster. Exactly. And last night was brutal. Last night was over three and a half. Both <laughs> days sloppy. Everything you could possibly say bad about a game was last night. So it was nice at least. Have a quicker one today. That Pavano game, by the way, I wasn't there. It was a Saturday night, the first year in the new ballpark, and I was home in Golden Valley, and it was in the ninth inning, and I'm like four miles directly from the stadium, right? And this, this, the Armageddon was breaking out near us with a thunderstorm, and Pavano got him out. And the all hell broke loose at the ballpark. I think it was like one fifty eight or something like that. But yeah, that, everything really quick. He was uh, he was under substantial pressure to get those three outs because it would have been a five hour rain delay otherwise. So it was it was something. Boy, you know, Barrios had those three little games that Barrios that. Uh, you, you you wondered and the and the third of them was not was the worst and you thought man he's getting a little rattled again he's been fantastic since uh, since he bounced back what's that three great runs in a row right yeah I want to go back almost five starts in a row been pretty okay. good he had that really rough stretch there uh, and after Anaheim he had that kind of bullpen session there with Eddie uh, you know and Garvin and he kind of changed uh, the way his legs were working a little bit kind of a little bit more going back to kind of using his legs more in his delivery and apparently whatever changes they made. Uh, definitely took. Like I said, he's been great. I think he's got like a 2.3 ERA over his last five starts. So today, I thought there was even a chance in the fifth that he had no hit stuff. Sure enough, he was getting up, you know, get up six hits and then the two runs, but still a good start. But yeah, you're definitely right. I kind of was wondering, you know, early in the year, there was like an ace. Oh, wow, is this Brios going to be an ace here? Like they always thought. And then he kind of fell back. Uh oh, this is the same old Brios. But sure enough, now he's kind of back on track here, which is a good sign for a rotation. It definitely needs that. Rhett, maybe it is his legs because uh, he was kind of, uh, I thought, at least in the last of those bad starts, he was kind of short-arming it and, and flipping it. And uh, now he's out, you know, he's he's reaching out again when he's releasing the ball. And, man, it's just, uh, it's just uh, as Gardy would say, it's coming out of his hand, baby. 
Throwing, throwing the living fire out of the ball, right? <laughs> it was so much fun to catch him with Cardi when he was in town, uh, you know, with Tigers a couple weeks ago. But, uh, yeah, you're right, though. With Barrios, the big thing for him is his curveball. So much movement. Uh, and when he wasn't really finishing those pitches, like you said, yeah. kind of short-arming it, that curveball was just, was barely breaking. It had, like, a little bit kind of north-south break, and guys were crushing it. Whereas now, when it's going like it's supposed to go, he kind of has a little bit of that east-west to it, too. So when his curveball's already going, it kind of darts across the plate. Are uh, really into the dirt a lot of times, and I think now that he's got the arm action back. I do think it's kind of those legs kind of being, allowing him to finish those pitches. Uh, it really makes it tough for him to hit with uh, with that amazing curveball. Yeah. Uh, the thing about him is, I think you got yourself a uh, pretty dang dedicated kid there too. He wants to be great. He really does. He's a hard worker. You know, he posts all his videos in the off season, pushing, you know, pushing trucks. the truck, and <laughs> pushing the truck in Puerto Rico, and he loves to show off his workouts. But you know, you're right. He's one of those guys you can tell. It just kind of lives baseball. And, you know, I'll give credit to Buxton, too. He's a guy that really, you can tell both those guys really, really care and really put a lot of work into it. And, then, uh, yeah, so it's kind of fun to see a guy like Barrios, who's not a very big kid, you know, uh, you know, kind of get the most out of his, out of, you know, his potential in that sense with the kind of the body that he has. He's not exactly a big guy. Uh, but you can tell he definitely works out hard. And, uh, you know, his stuff really is. Uh, pretty amazing. Well, he is a right-handed Santana uh, body frame, you know, body like, and uh, and uh, of course uh, he doesn't quite have the changeup that, uh, or nobody had the changeup that Johan had, but uh, but uh, very remindful of a right-handed version of him for sure. So yeah, I can definitely see that. You're right. So what are they going to do? They got to. I mean, Eddie Escobar. This is this is no mirage anymore. This guy's a hell of a player, and you got you you you. I wouldn't be surprised to see him sign a three year deal here before the season's over. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, you're right. I mean, he's obviously in the last year of his contract. You know, last year broke out with 21 home runs. He's hit some doubles in the past. He's still really putting it all together. He leads the majors in doubles. Uh, you know, he's got five home runs already this month in, in, in uh, you know June. Uh, up there with Rosario, uh, he's been incredible. I mean, defensively, he's still a little bit, you know, he, he makes the plays he's supposed to make. He still doesn't have a ton of range at short, uh, but he can certainly handle third base. Um, I'm very curious to see what they want to yes. do with that. You know, obviously Escobar and Dozier are both free agents, and you know, they got Polanco coming back from the suspension here in about a month. Uh, you know, and obviously they had Nick Gordon, Triple uh, A kind of knocking on the door. So, but I think that with Escobar, he just means so much to this team too in the clubhouse. You know, he's always joking around, having fun. But you're right, though. I mean, offensively, he's become kind of a juggernaut for this team. And, uh, you know, to lose him would be kind of a big blow all of a sudden. But I'm also curious to see what they want to do once Polanco comes back here in about a month. Are they going to play Polanco every day at short and then have, you know, Escobar kind of fill in here and there? Or DH here and there, it's just going to be hard to figure out because I, I think I think I think Blanco's going to play short. He's going to play third. And Miguel's going to have to uh, you know figure it out and uh, DH and play first, or maybe he go to Fort Myers and spend six <laughs> six weeks working out or something. Uh, uh, I was going to ask you: Do you think him Masano at first has got a little permanency to it or not? It could. I mean, at third base hasn't really been the issue this year. It's just mostly been those those half swings he loves to do. And like you said on Twitter the other day, he's got this new thing where he has this swing where he kind of pinches up there like he's flicking the bat up by his own head or something. It's a weird kind of whip swing he's been doing recently yeah. on the strikeouts. Right? I don't know where that came from. And I think the hard thing is that rookie year and even the beginning of last year, he had patience too. You know, he was trying to at least you know swing at some strikes and you know obviously the damage when he did could draw some walks it seems like now the walks have evaporated he still hits the ball hard when he hits it it's just it's kind of rare these days that he actually hits it you know and even monitor said yesterday it's almost like a guessing game with, with him at the plate right now his pitch recognition's way off um yeah you're right i, I think you think maybe he's kind of might be the odd man out there a little bit once uh you know plonko comes back they do like plonko at shortstop defensively 
Um, I don't know about first base being permanent quite yet. I mean, we'll kind of see, too, what, uh, what happens with Joe here with the concussion. Uh, Joe has had a good week since a little bit of a setback last Thursday. Um, but at this point, it sounds like Joe might go into rehab. He might still be a little bit a ways away. Um, but, yeah, Sano's got to figure something out. I, I guess it wouldn't totally shock me if at some point he did go to you know the minors to try to figure it out more because right now, he does look at the same hitter that he was in previous seasons. Uh, Rhett Bollinger's with us, MLB.com. Rhett, uh, I, I, when the ball's hit uh, to the left of the third baseman, I feel a hell of a lot better having Escobar there than uh, Sano. I just he, he, you know, I know he's not horrible over there, but I think he's a liability uh, on a lot of ground balls. He can go to his right and make that play behind third, and he can make the play coming in, but... Uh, there's some hoppers that you see go get between the third base and shortstop hole that should not occur, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. That's definitely true. You're right. The range isn't great. Like I said, he's, he's solid enough. With, he's obviously got a great arm, and you're right. He, he can't make those plays actually coming in pretty well for a big guy. But yeah, the range that you're right on, on balls to his left and anything in that hole, uh, it's probably going to get through at this point. Uh, he's just such a big guy. I do think you're right in terms of the first base is going to be where he's going to moving move eventually. Um, but I don't know if it's quite going to happen full-time yet. I think they still kind of are going to see what they can do with him over there. But, yeah, he's definitely one of those guys that has a lot to prove right now, uh, considering that, you know, he was supposed to be supposed to be such a big star for this team. That hasn't really happened to that extent yet at well, all. Your, uh, ESPN, uh, David Schoenfeld from ESPN had a list of the 10, uh, I don't know if you saw this, the 10 uh, players who were supposed to be stars who are now getting to the point that that's either going to happen or it's not. And uh, uh, the Twins proudly had two of those, of course, Sano and Buxton uh, up high on top of the list. But the difference between Sano and Buxton, in my opinion, is Sano can hit if he gets his head straight. Buxton, everything has to work for Buxton to hit. All Sano just needs some of it to work, and he can and he can be productive. But right now, it's pretty futile. Yeah, and I guess the difference is, too, with Buxton is even if he doesn't hit, he's so good defensively, at least he has some value. Yes. Whereas if Snow doesn't hit, he doesn't provide any value at all. He doesn't really run that well, doesn't really defend that well. But at least with Buxton, if he even hits a little bit, he can still be a good player. Um, but, yeah, and Buxton's had more of the injury bug than, than obviously, Snow. It's just a lot of bad luck injuries, whereas Snow's injuries seem a little bit more, you know, the hamstring seems like a little bit more of his own issue, his own fault, and, and then Buxton found him off his toe and just more, you know, bad luck than anything. But, yeah, definitely I, I kind of agree with that list. Both those guys, you know, if those guys were going, going like they're supposed to, the Twins would be, you know, playing a lot better. But clearly they have not, and the Twins have kind of scuffled here this season. Hey, uh, uh, Rod, have you ever in your time covering the Twins here and uh, covering uh, before that, I've seen a guy who worries less about what happened in the last at bat or the last pitch or the last inning than Eddie Rosario. He's, uh, okay, I went 0 for 4 yesterday. Look out. Don't throw me a bad pitch. I'll hit a three-run homer right now. It's He doesn't fret, I don't think. No. No, Eddie definitely doesn't have a worry in the world. I, I love that about him. He's so much fun to watch. He does not care uh, at all about that kind of stuff. But he's one of those guys, though, too. He's a sneaky smart, like, uh, kind of a savant almost with hitting in terms of, if yes. you ask him, you know, that pitch, you go, oh, yeah, you know, two weeks ago on that Thursday, he threw me an inside cutter. Like, he's one of those guys that has a memory. Uh-huh. It's incredible. So if you actually ask him about pitches, even today, the home run he hit on that inside cutter, he goes, oh, yeah, I know. I knew it was coming. He threw me that exact same pitch, 2-0, in my second at bat. So as soon as he threw it, I was gearing for it, and I just kind of cheated for it. So he's one of those guys, as much as he's swinging everything, Eddie, he still has a plan. That's, that's the yes. I think that's why he's been so much better is I think maybe early in his career he was that swing away Eddie who could hit bad pitches because he has great hands. 
But now he's combined that with a plan and a really good memory, and it's just added up to this really, you know, impressive hitter for a guy who doesn't really walk too much. Uh, my favorite all-time twin is Tony Oliva, uh, both as a guy and as a hitter. And uh, I'm old enough to remember him uh, when he came up as a, you know, right away. And uh, Tony was the same kind of guy in the fact that he was a bad ball hitter, but it was a bad ball that he liked. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It wasn't. Eddie is no Eddie is no longer swinging at every bad ball. He's swinging at the one he likes. And that, uh, as great as Tony was, I've never seen a hitting performance to compare with the Twins with that three-homer the other day because of the fact that all the pitches were in different places. It was uh, it was incredible. Yeah, it really was. And all three pitches were out of the zone, too. Yes. I guess he leads the majors now with six home runs on pitches on outside the zone. It also leads the majors on hits in the majors on uh, pitches out of the zone in general, too, right ahead of Altuve. Uh, so, yeah, he leads the majors in both categories. All three pitches were different zones, different pitches out of the zone. Uh, it's amazing the way they can do that. And the three-runner to win the game, man. A ball away that you go out there and uh, and with those amazing hands and hit it out in right center in this place where there's no place harder to hit it out in right center. That's one of the most amazing home runs in Twins history right there. Yeah, that was an incredible performance in general. I mean, that three home runs. and I looked it up, too. I think guys that had three home runs, including a walk-off, it's only happened, I think, 35 times in Major League history and only... I think six times in the last 20 years. So, I mean, it's a rare feat to even do that. Like you said, just that the home runs that he hit that day from the outside pitch, flicking it to left, to pulling the ball. And even today, like you said, that cutter was inside on his hands and he turned on it. There's really no <laughs> bad ball that he can't hit over the fence right now. And it's just fun to see a guy that walked in who does that because it's just so rare in baseball to see a guy who can hit those bad pitches. Like you said, Tony Oliva or Vladimir Guerrero, those are the kind of guys that kind of comes to mind, and, and Rosario is right up there with those guys with that. Well, he, he's the guy that had the 280 uh, on base in double-A uh, and uh, going into 2015, and I've talked to Matt Cavage about it. I've said that this week, and he said, Matt, what's going on? He says, he's bored. He knows he belongs <laughs> in the big leagues. He doesn't. He's bored down here. Send him to the big leagues. He's the best hitter in the organization, and he's certainly that right now. Yeah, Mauder always says that Eddie loves the spotlight. Mm-hmm. That's his favorite thing is to play in the big moments. Even last year before the wild card game, I predicted on Twitter, I go, I have a funny feeling that just knowing Eddie and just seeing how carefree he was before the game, I have a funny feeling Eddie's going to homer in this one. And sure enough, he did homer, and I don't know how the rest of the game went, but uh, it did not surprise me in the least that Eddie had a, a big game in a wild card game. So I do think if they were to make the full season, he's the kind of guy, like, like we talked about, that just doesn't let the moment get to him. He kind of shakes it off, doesn't really have a care in the world, and then, yeah, just kind of lets his talent go. And, and loves that spotlight. I could definitely see him being a guy that got bored in the minor leagues and the small-time ballparks and everything else because he's one of those guys who just loves to be a star like that. All right, sir. Uh, good uh, bachelor like you uh, with a game that ends at uh, 2.30. Don't get yourself in trouble here tonight. I'll try not to. I know tonight is uh, Dan Hayes' birthday from the Athletics, so I'll oh, make okay. sure it's not too much of yeah, a He's, a, he's not the – just from what I saw him in spring training, he's not the best influence either, so. No. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell him, I'll right. tell him that. But yeah, I think All that's right. Cool. I'm glad I don't drink anymore. Let's put it that way. All right. Thank you. See you. Goodbye. All right, Goodbye, Brad. We'll be back with uh, Johnny Height. Johnny Height with a sports update. Thank you, Patrick. This update sponsored by KFC. This summer, get a KFC Extra Crispy $20 fill-up. Meal includes eight pieces of Extra Crispy Chicken, plus all the fixins. This offer not everywhere, not forever. Prices may vary. Tax and substitutions extra. 
Uh, the Twins beat the White Sox today. It gives them a split of their four-game series. Jose Barrios got the complete game. He gave up six hits, two runs, struck out ten in the Twins' 7-2 to win. Uh, home runs from Eddie Rosario, Eduardo Escobar, and A. Ray Adrianza for the Twins early in that ballgame. The Twins will open a three-game weekend series tomorrow night at Target Field against the Angels. Without our fellas from the Caribbean, we wouldn't have had too many home runs today, would have no. we? <laughs> The Twins announcing today they've returned Trevor May from rehab assignment, reinstated him from the 60-day disabled list, and optioned him to Rochester. Of course, he had Tommy John surgery last year. To make room on the 40-man, the Twins transferred Jason Castro to the 60-day disabled list. He'll miss the rest of the season after that right knee, meniscus tear, and operation. Johnny, did you see who they have at uh, Rochester now? Remember that big lug of a catcher, Cameron Rupp? Sure, yes. Yeah, I did there. see that story. He's there. He uh, probably... Uh, I think he's got an out, according to Wetmore, in about yeah. five weeks. He'll be here in about a week if Garver don't shape up. <laughs> uh, well, former Twin News, Fernando Abad, suspended 80 games uh, for using Stanozolol. Oh, that Stanozolo is floating around the islands. Where was Abad from? Was he Dominican? I'm uh, not sure. I'm not sure, to tell you the truth. He actually, <laughs> at the moment, didn't have a job. Uh, he went to training camp with the Phillies this year. Uh, they released him. The Mets picked him up, signed him to a minor league deal, but he hadn't played at all for them. So, uh, Who'd they get for a Fernando Abad when they traded him to the Red Sox? I can't remember. Manny, yeah. you remember, don't you? I'm looking it up right now, okay. actually. Do not Cheater. recall. Who's former Red Sox? I can't think of one. And he is uh, from the Dominican, by the yeah. way. Okay. Uh, Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr. <laughs> Thank you, Kenny. But, uh, Brett Hall. Thanks for clearing that up for us. <laughs> Phil Esposito. Uh, Minnesota United, uh, they had that uh, big penalty kick uh, victory yesterday at Cincinnati. So they, uh, today... Johnny, do you, uh, do you realize, do you know what this is What we're playing here? This is not a league game. You know right. what it is? What? I, I'm asking you. You're, well, the, well, you're the correspondent. Well, with that, they had to win uh, and uh, get a schedule. They now are scheduled for their round of 16 in, in the U.S. Open Cup. Tournament. In the U.S. Open Cup. Correct. So they, they got yes. them from like three. The lower leagues have teams in here. Correct. Too. Yes, that's correct. And the Cincinnati team they beat is coming into the MLS in the, next, next year. Next year. Yes. Yes. I just uh, looked up who uh, the Twins got for Fernando Abad when they traded him to Boston. I'm ready. You remember Pat Light. Oh, oh, I sure. do. Pat Light, yeah. yeah. In fact, watching Zach Littell pitch the other day reminded me of Pat Light <laughs> nice. a little bit. Uh, United now will travel to the Houston Dynamo June 18th for their U.S. Open Cup uh, round of 16 game. And now is Houston, Houston's in our league, right? That's correct. Yes, okay, they they're an MLS foe then. Okay. Yep. Uh, if the Loons win that one, they could face the winner of Sporting KC and FC Dallas. United has the potential to host that quarterfinal matchup should they advance and draw hosting rights. Uh, Houston has already been in Minnesota earlier this year, a 2-1 to victory for the Loons. In three meetings last year, the Loons drew twice against Houston and lost once. They've never won a game at BBVA Compass. I hate to say anything to defend soccer fans, <laughs> but I want league games. Mm-hmm. I don't want other tournaments going on within my yeah. league season like they have in hot soccer yeah let's just play our league games smoky and then we can uh, and then we can, this is a league game smoky let's not have all this other silly stuff going on in between can, over the line i don't like friendlies <laughs> either that's right it can be over very the line, smoky. 
I'm you, not going to pull a gun out about it, but it's a league game. It's you know it we're playing them a game. We're playing a team from the league, but it's not a league game. I don't approve. Yeah, market and eight, dude. Yeah. <laughs> At least in high school, if they you know like for high school hockey season, they might play a conference opponent in a yeah. tournament, but they still count that as a conference. Sure. Yes. They should do that for MLS. Yeah, it's very confusing. I I had to do extensive research yesterday to figure this all out Mm -hmm. because I couldn't figure out why they were playing Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. So I went online and spent about a half an hour getting all this Mm -hmm. down. Because they do this in England, too. They got the FA Cup, which means all the leagues play each other, and it's Mm -hmm. just ridiculous. All right. Because the day of the royal wedding... We were having a championship game in the in the uh, FA Cup, and uh, Prince uh, William is the uh, head of one of those teams. Uh, or no, he's ahead of the FA Cup, even though he's probably never been to a game. So anyway, I I, I, I know all my royal wedding. Wow, that, yeah, that right. was pretty good. See ya. Goodbye. Bye. Results of the investigation conducted by Paul Weiss determined that Brian Colangelo failed to safeguard sensitive, non-public, club-related information. Ultimately, Brian offered his resignation, realizing the detrimental way in which these circumstances impacted our organization and his ability to do his job effectively. That is the owner of the 76 Josh Harris. Yep. Young guy. Young guy. Uh, he's, he's speaking early, for ownership. He's in his early 50s. Is he really? Yeah. He's a young guy. Well, this is uh, one of the oddest stories in the history of American sports. Brian Colangelo uh, had become the president of basketball operations for the 76ers, replacing uh, Sam Hinkie. Sam Hinkie, yeah. who was. Uh, the the overseer of the process and yep. a very odd guy in his own way. He he sent a thirteen page resignation letter that was filled with this goofy stuff. But he was a hero, big of, analytics guy, be, hero, huge analytics hero guy, yeah. of the blogosphere and the analytics people yep. and uh, those people, including the guy at the Ringer who ended up exposing these ghost. Twitter accounts that were tied to Brian Colangelo that basically were used to support Brian Colangelo, who apparently, because mostly because Markel Fultz turned out to be a, a at least disaster, a, at least as, a as a rookie, yeah, and that they made a trade not only to get rid of. Uh, Jason Tatum, what it cost him, Jason Tatum, Tatum yeah. Jason Tatum. That who they probably should have taken first, uh, it, but it, they gave up a number one draft choice too to make this flip to yep. get Markel Fultz, who couldn't uh, at at this point he can't shoot right. Yeah, he That's got hurt. Problem. He hurt his shoulder, yeah. and then when he came back from the injury, his shot was just all. So the Seventy Sixers fan, even though. Uh, they had a very good year, and the process came to an end, and they became a playoff team, and they won a playoff series. Uh, they doubt on Colangelo. So these ghost tweets were coming out from various uh, points, ripping Hinky, ripping the guy who went to Toronto. Uh, what's his name? The guy's running Toronto now. Who oh, uh, Masi, uh, yeah, uh, whatever, uh, Ajira or something Jerry, like yep. that. Yeah. Uh, ripping him. Ripping some of the players, Embiid, 
uh, for what being kind of a not serious enough or something, mm-hmm. ripping Fultz for uh, the shooting coach that Fultz was trying to use, ripping him, ripping everybody. And the ringer did a fantastic investigative job on this guy. A lot of speculation that Hanky, who's an expert in this field, might have been <laughs> feeding them the info that, they, hey, look at these accounts yeah. out there. Well, I think Colangelo took credit for a couple of them that were not as inflammatory as the others, right? I think so, yeah. Well, they did an investigation. It turns out at least she's willing to take the fall for it. Barbara Botini, who is Colangelo's wife, admitted to establishing and operating the accounts uh, through this investigation. Now, uh, what she did, she uh, also kind of, uh, she they wanted her to turn over her cell phone, mm-hmm. and she had it wiped, right? Of course. And then she gave it to them, but she had it wiped. Yeah. But Colangelo vigorously disputes the allegation that his conduct was in any way reckless, but he resigned anyway. Uh, obviously, he was going to get fired if he didn't resign. Yeah. But uh, apparently, uh, Daddy was not very happy either. Jerry, about, Jerry was not very happy with the uh, Sixers. Either. Sixers for the, their conduct here. Yeah. Well, Jerry has uh, Colangelo, a former two-time executive of the year in the NBA, mostly for what he did in Toronto. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, now they put uh, the coach uh, in in charge. Brett Brown. Uh, Brett yeah. Brown in charge for now. But um, he, he, there was no chance after this got out there. Some of the tweets took issue with Embiid's off, off-court behavior. Others claim Nerland's Noel was a problem in the locker room, and that Jaleel Okafor's injury issues may have been uh, may have scuttled a trade to the Falcons. Inside info that uh, yeah. Jerry says he didn't tell his wife. So how did she find this out? Uh, we we don't know how does she knew all this stuff, right? But you know what? Whoever is the marriage counselor who handles this, if they handle it successfully, they're going to get a lot of business, don't you think? Probably. If we don't read that uh, Brian and Barbara are on the ropes and headed for a, a divorce, uh, this is going to be this is going to turn into like a book deal or mm-hmm. like a short reality, reality show, show starring yes. Bar- Barbara Botini. Yeah, she's a younger blonde. She's obviously a bit younger than oh, Brian. Oh, she is so going to get a reality. Show. I, I'm not sure that. Uh, <laughs> How long? I'm not sure if he had another another wife or uh, if she's the second one. You know what? Not. She's probably going to end up on Basketball Wives, the reality she show. She could where, be. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that Shaquille my wife O'Neal's watches that one. On. Yeah, yeah, she she watches that one. Uh, a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of Basketball Wives on there that are down on their husbands. Who uh, yes, they're not they're not exactly sure how if the fellas are behaving or something. It's yeah. it's it's pretty good. But my wife watches all of those, and uh, I'm sure that she will. It, it's amazing to talk to a woman who pays no attention to sports whatsoever, <laughs> but knows basketball players because yes. of their wives yes. on, on the basketball my mom, player. See, wife. my mom and my sister, they watch it too yes. on occasion. And, you know, my mom my mom likes to hate watch it. Yeah. You know, she can't stand any of the women yes, on right. her, but she still gets glued <laughs> oh, yeah. to the TV. Well, hate watching is uh, what the uh, what, what makes them successful because yes. you, pick out, you pick out the ones that uh, are not the meanies. Uh, right. 
it all started with New York Housewives, which was I watched a lot in the early years. I liked it, but sure. but then they became cartoon characters. You you know that they were telling them to be nastier. Yeah, you know, the producers were telling them behind the yeah, scenes. You, yeah, you're being too nice to each other. You gotta you gotta. <laughs> the Countess is my all time favorite from the New York Housewives. She was married to some eighty year old guy who was allegedly a count from some place years ago and she used to demand that they refer to her as the countess now she's still on but the count dropped her so she's no longer a countess we'll be back quiet please we'll be on the air and now this day in history patrick hit well to center field Deion sanders going back to the wall and it is gone. Bo Jackson homers to put the Royals ahead to nothing. There isn't any place that Bo would rather hit one than over Deion Sanders' head. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing period in American sports, uh, and it was on this day, June seventh, nineteen eighty-six, that Bo was drafted by the Kansas City Royals, yeah. and we all thought that was kind of a marketing scam to try to get the contract he was looking for, as the, from the Raiders as the nineteen eighty-five Heisman Trophy winner, drafted by the Raiders. Well, he ended up signing with the Royals and had a much better baseball career than he did a football career. He was uh, the only guy ever to be an all-star in both sports. Mm. And uh, he played Major League Baseball. He played 694 games. Football, he only ended up uh, playing uh, 38 games and then one playoff game. And, of course, the playoff game in 1991 was when he injured his hip. But uh, the greatest two-sport athlete we've ever had, and uh, maybe the greatest, he ran track in college. He won, ran on relay teams and won races, and he was just a fantastic athlete. And uh, it was uh, too bad he hurt that hip in that 1991 playoff game. That cost him his uh, baseball career. Now, he struck out a lot, but as we pointed out, we used to say, well, he strikes out a lot. Now we wouldn't care. Yeah, he fit Who in cares? nicely in today's baseball. He would have you teach him a little launch angle. He'd be hitting <laughs> fifty a year and striking out two hundred and fifty times, and we'd say, "Who cares?" <laughs> Although he had more to do with the success of Nike than anybody. Bo knows. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.